Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of New Music Now. This is Rose Petralia. We incredibly have Esther Ballant on the show today, talking about her first concept album out this past November, which grew from her musical I Hate Memory. We'll also hear new old-school punk from OCs, two tracks from Tiana Esperanza that are going to blow your mind, and some Middle Eastern-influenced Kill Rock Stars re-releases from Habibi. We should mention that this episode was recorded in October, and all of this music is now out and proud and ready for you to follow along with. Find our New Music Now playlist for episode 12 at ink19.com. We're glad you're here. Now here's your host, Charlie Debner. Welcome to New Music Now from Ink 19 Magazine. We'll hear tracks from four albums today, including I Hate Memory, Esther Balance's very first concept album. I'm Charlie Debner. I'm an 819 contributor. Uh, please welcome Esther Ballant, and also welcome to the show, Pat Green. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, I'm Esther Ballant, and I'm a performer, singer, songwriter, and musician. I play violin, guitar, sing, and uh, I also act sometimes, which sounds like I'm really bragging. I do at least dabble with all these things. I'm Pat Green. I'm a freelance writer, artist, curator, musician. I ran for mayor in Orlando in 2004. It was supposed to be a joke, but I guess it was. Thank you all for being here today. For today's episode, I'm going to showcase A Foul Form by OCs. It's their 25th release over the course of 20 years. Overall, the album borrows heavily from anarcho art punk from the dawn in the 1980s and even closes with a cover of Rudimentary Peni's Sacrifice. I only am familiar by name. Yeah, well, I'm going to apologize this being your introduction to them because this is a little bit uh, grittier than pretty much everything they've released. They've kind of gone from the super ego of the band straight back to like the id of uh, more of their punk rock roots so it's a little abrasive compared to what they usually do and i think that's what's unique about the album is it a midlife crisis i don't i don't know i don't think so i mean i think they were kind of at the pinnacle of their career and they just decided to do like a bit of a, a departure a bit of a rug pull this is more of a hard core punk album for the OCs, more reminiscent of Crass, Discharge, The Void, and I'd like to even think there's a little bit of Alice Bag. Um, this first track you're going to hear is Permac, and it typifies uh, this sentiment.
I'm going to compare it to four minutes and 33 seconds. Yeah. I'd like to think that if you were to kind of do a time machine or if you were an alien visiting art house punk rock bands of the early 80s and you had to reinterpret what you thought you heard, it would kind of sound like this. I'm able to slip this to my punk rock friends from the 80s as a way of uh, convincing them that they could or should like OCs and they're not just some kind of hippie band, I guess. I like it. Um, it did feel like something I would be listening to in the early 80s. It definitely had that feel. Pardon my ignorance, uh, Charlie, but it's like when you say they had it sort of a hippie sound, I definitely didn't hear hippie in it. Uh, what does that mean to you? Like, cause well, I, see I mean, they're more, they started as kind of a garage punk band and they did a lot of very, even acoustic type stuff. You know, like if you were to say track back, they're more of that um, Orange County sound. Um, that felt a little like uh California Guberales kind of thing, you know, like yeah, that's the other part about them is that they change their sound and their name with as much frequency. They're hard to keep track of because they're constantly reinventing themselves. They started off as OCS Orange County Sound and then uh progressed from there. Quite a difference. Yeah. Yeah, almost turned into like a Pink Floyd before they released this punk album. Okay. I just wanted to say that I enjoyed listening to this so much more together than I did alone and I think that there's something about this kind of music that just doesn't lend itself to you being dropped in the middle of it without any context because it is as you say very frantic and frenetic and I have no problem with that but I need to be kind of invited into that journey of getting there and uh, listening to it with you and with you Charlie who, who picked and loved this track that was like doing part of the journey and also getting a little more context that this music of theirs is a bit of a reaction to other music that that set that stage for me so i actually really enjoyed it and i loved the drums which had a kind of almost military vibe to it um tight and great and i like it it's kind of like say going to a noise show or something where i wouldn't drive home and listen to that in the car but when I'm with other people and I see the performance it's like a different experience but you know you you would walk down the street with your earbuds on and just I mean I went well, I went for yourself Charlie I don't know Charlie Charlie wouldn't I could uh, now I might too see now now that I've been a little bit more privy to the evolution I actually might be in the mood to listen to it walking down the street with my earbuds it might become nostalgic for you now at this point because we all hung out together. Sorry. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting what Esther said about a progression because, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that used to listen to a whole album and I was really into the sequence that artists pick. What's the first track on the second side always had some kind of relevance to me and I always feel like the songs tend to lead into one another. And so with that being said, I picked the track uh that follows the track we just heard permac um it's called social butt and it has the distinction of being the least listened to song on this album but it it is part of the progression from the last track we heard to this track so brick by brick i think this is a good follow-up to the song we just heard
I really like kind of that era of punk rock chanting that you hear in the chorus. And it, it's nostalgic, but new sounding to me. It's still, it's refreshing to hear that. You don't hear that lack of uh, precision, I guess, when you're just barking and chanting, which was uh, seemed very endemic to a certain period of time in music. It also felt like Esther said about the drumming before, there was a, like, chanting and the drumming almost felt militaristic or political or, you know, like something like a, when you go to the countries where the cars drive around and yell to you about the elections or whatever, you know, like a, over a speaker or that kind of thing. Like, yeah, I understand what you say about the chanting, though, because it has a certain power, too. That, I don't know, it's a more nuanced power, you know. Yeah, I really like the drummer. <laughs> this is a great drummer, huh? Yeah, he is. Uh, very uh, punchy, and I, I love drums anyway, and I really love the drums on this track. Love the chanting, the punk attitude. I have to laugh at the idea that we're getting nostalgic, re, you know, visiting that era because, you know, there's just a cat eating its tail in irony in that because <laughs> that whole era was all about anti-nostalgia, right? Like it was sure, the sure. anti-nostalgic thing you could do or be. So it's a little bit funny that there's a revival. Again, I just feel like this is kind of a, a communal type of music in a weird way. Totally enjoyed listening to it with you. Not so much when I listen to it alone. I feel like we should all get in a car and drive down the road listening to it together, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting you mentioned the drumming because the way the band has built up over the last few years, they've turned into a two drummer band typically when they play live they have two and they're both amazing drummers and one of the aspects of this album that interests me is that they built this very solid band with uh you know two guitars a bass player two drummers and a keyboardist all amazing in their own right and how they've stripped that down to play a much looser and uh basic sound versus what they were kind of building the band into particularly with two drummers yeah i that's interesting about the two drummers because one of the things i love about the drums on this track and the previous is its kind of simplicity and sparseness and directness yeah it's cool tell us about afro gypsy so I found this album because of this assignment, actually, because I'm not, you know, when I was younger, I used to like be more like, oh my God, what's PJ Harvey's new album? Let me listen to it <laughs> top to bottom immediately. That's not really the way I listen to music anymore. And I think that's partially because my hard drive is so full with like billions of songs and records. So there's just a much slower simmering uh, attitude about it. But anyway, I went around and looked frantically for something and there was a lot of good stuff and nothing that I felt like this is it and then I found this and I felt like this is it and then I found out there isn't even an album yet and I think this woman Tiana Esperanza is going to be just to use a really hackneyed phrase someone to watch like I, I actually think she's kind of phenomenal I was really moved by the songs and by her incredible wisdom and 
sort of old soul quality, even though she was apparently 22. I found out that she's the granddaughter of Paul Malov from the Raincoats, which I love the Raincoats. And the, and but she sounds completely different than the Raincoats. And the Slits. Well, and the Slits. Yeah, 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 and the Slits, yeah. Sorry. I'm more of a Raincoat person, by the way, so... <laughs> Yeah, so this song is called Terror, and I think it's an app title. Um, there's a lot of mood in it. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, explicit content, so I don't know if we need to issue a trigger warning or anything. There should be a trigger warning if something's boring. Right. The man looks at me. I think of all the ways I could make him bleed. I won't take my key into his eye. I'd crack his teeth, liver and Give me a cool female vocalist, and I'm usually in. Enough said. I'm easily seduced by that. I've, I've actually often ended up liking songs because there was a powerful vocalist, female vocalist, whose voice just I found compelling. So that's number one right there. I think she's an incredible singer. And what I love about songs is when they're like a little film, it's like a whole little movie that you can kind of feel or visualize. And I really get that from this story. It is like a little horror movie. For sure. There's also that intense drama in it, which I find almost humorous just because it's so over the top. It's almost cartoonish and it's, and, and we all know what being 22 is like and how dramatic that time is. I felt the cinematic or sort of a musical theater character, but it also felt like the humor just became kind of terrifying too, you know, it felt like all of a sudden she realized, you know, and she just got angry. I love the way it felt. It almost felt like she was sort of improvising as she was delivering it. It was really brilliant. But I think she has a sense of humor and like that super pretty voice that she sings in the beginning about, you know, I'd like to dig my keys into your eyes bars on the, or liver. <laughs> And she sings it in this gorgeous, like, floaty, angelic voice. I think there's just a lot going on. Humor, cinematic, incredible vocal chops, and just a really cool production. Well, I definitely like the blending or mixing of tones. Uh, I think you said juxtaposition between the more ethereal way that the uh, song opens and then you have that angelic voice 
kind of saying something pretty dark and scary and then it kind of goes into this more uh, blues sounding but very seamlessly the way it, you've got several tones kind of uh, working together it's an interesting palette and it's it's also a song that you could hear if you were to gather if you weren't really paying attention to the lyrics and you just heard the music and would think oh wow that's an interesting song but all of a sudden you sat down and really listened to what she was saying it would hit you for sure at some point i was wondering you know she seems terrorized but then obviously i think the the transition is she becomes the terror that i also wonder about that like maybe she's not a totally reliable narrator which i love an unreliable narrator well she might have just been capturing a, a scenario that's not too unfamiliar but either way i think that you know it works so the next one is uh also from afro gypsy this one's called three straight witches from hell and i think i should have probably put this one first because that one's kind of a hard act to follow but let's hear it thank you good thing i didn't write any songs about your ugly clocks you thought everything was beautiful well it ain't art therapy degree and your beliefs were part of the lost and found junk you lugged around in your olive green satin purse you thought you were so down to earth with your barefoot feet fuck i loved your feet they were tattooed and so delicate Oh, heartbeat of my imagination Oh, moonlit illusion, I hear your call I wanna hum and I wanna drown, I wanna die when it comes in I, I just love that it sounds like a loop acoustic guitar doing two chords but then layered somehow I, I don't know but it's instantly infectious I'm fascinated by singers and this often girls too who are incredibly young and sound like they've lived for a thousand years mm. like where does that voice come from and it doesn't doesn't feel like they were just putting it on trying to sound like an older person it's like interesting to contemplate you know there is a lot of drama in there again but there's also a very playful off the cuff almost like journal diary notes quality to i mean i can almost kind of get a hint of that raincoats connection there there's just a real not formal traditional songwriting structure to the lyrics that i dig in this one and some really funny lines actually if you listen to it she's definitely got a sense of humor and again a wisdom so i'm just intrigued Esther started out saying that it, her music feels cinematic but this feels like it could be the end of the movie you know she's such a great storyteller like she makes it uncomfortably funny it's really hard for me to believe that she's 22 but she's not 
playing follow the leader on that one you know she just kind of like if this sounds right you know i'm gonna use it i don't know who's playing on this too but i'd like to look more into that it's really brilliant i would too and i'm just gonna say one more thing which is that this is the kind of music that i really love where it's hard to say what kind of music it is because all the tracks have a lot of different influences going on and yet yeah. there is a unified voice there it's not like she's just doing a mashup her vocals and her presence kind of give it a singular quality of her own but she's got influences in there from folk old school r&b almost more of a hip-hop presence there's definitely you know punk attitude in one of the songs and and a little bit in the one we heard so there's just like she seamlessly and comfortably does not choose one track for her sound yes when i interviewed mike watt he said uh genre is a berlin wall i really love that phrase yeah. because i yeah it just feels like when you get down to it, it there, i mean they can help you along the way a little bit don't get too locked into it when I listen to that song, I think about how much music's out there where people uh, brag about the lovers they've been with in their life and how uh, how glorious it's presented and they're presented as wins and things like this. And, and what's funny to me about this song is this is not one of those songs where you're necessarily uh, bragging on the loves of your life. And it's probably closer to an honest truth for a lot of people. And again, it's it's very folksy. It's it's a story within a song, within music. And uh, I like what she said about closing credits, like the end of a spaghetti western. <laughs> Hello, you are still listening to New Music Now, a podcast from Inc19.com. We just heard Permact and Social Butt from OC's album A Foul Form and two tracks from Tiana Esperanza's debut album, Terror, the title track, and Three Straight Bitches from Hell. The album was out in February, and I hope there are more coming. Find a Spotify playlist for all 12 episodes of New Music Now at Inc19.com. Next up, Pat Green shares two songs from Habibi's All My Love Deluxe Reissue Bundle, and we'll hear some of Esther Balance's I Hate Memory, about a certain life, a certain era, a certain mood, and of course, New York. Here's Pat. My choice is the All My Love Deluxe reissue bundle from Habibi. Kill Rockstars is issuing two Habibi albums, Cardamo Garden and Anywhere But Here. It's funny, I've been sending Habibi's music everywhere, sending to all my friends and asking everybody to listen because I'm pretty obsessed right now. It's as if Kill Rockstars granted me a wish I feel like they might have been reading my text or something. Rahil, the lead singer, is Persian, but she said she grew up primarily around or Arabic culture uh, around the Detroit area. So Habibi is an Arabic term meaning beloved and uh, come my Habibi, by Habibi. It's a brilliant song.
I love this band. But I also love how they feel like lost psychedelic tracks from somewhere east of Greece, you know. Rahil's got a radio show, an online show, and it kind of feels like somebody who's been diligently going to the thrift shop finding all these jazz albums and you can hear all these influences that she has and this also feels kind of cinematic to me too you know like i remember staying by damascus gate in jerusalem and hearing the scratched record in the 80s over these like cone speakers where they you could hear prayer call in the morning and it kind of had that feel of just something very organic and kind of raw you know i'm a fan well it's my uh, sincerest wish that everyone could be somebody's Habibi. Um, I'm a big fan of excessive vamping in a song and the way the song kind of just continues the way it does. I mean, uh, back before my hard drive filled, I would lean into certain record labels. You know, Kill Rock Stars is in that category before before the internet when you leaned on labels like kill rock stars or k records or shimmy disc or touch and go so they always have a special place in my heart you know anything from that and as much as i leaned in there's always stuff i haven't heard of that people like you are really passionate about and i'm glad i had a chance to be introduced to it thank you for introducing me to it as well i love this Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I I really like the vocals. I like everything about this. I just, I love surf. I love psychedelia. I love that bringing in the that Middle Eastern sound, which is like the center of it. Uh, I love female singers, as if I hadn't made that clear yet. Um, so this is, this is cool. Thank you. I think the, the vamping element also is a little hypnotic too you know like yeah, it's just yeah. like it just like kind of keeps you there for sure well full disclosure i talked to rahil and she told me that this song was influenced by the idea that she was listening to a lot of lee hazelwood plus she said it was sort of based on the antagonist in uh, the good bad and the ugly we brought up some spaghetti western before so this is after I'd listened to it several times that she told me this, and you could kind of make your own judgment. love the way it starts out like it sounds like Alice Coltrane you know at the beginning it's got that kind of the harp going on and then it becomes female pop from the 60s and I, I love the, the sort of changing gears and it's very pretty and the guitar almost sounds like it could be like Pat Martino or some kind of jazz guitar kind of 
it's got that sort of uh the repetitive background that we talked about like all the songs seem to change gears too which i feel like sometimes when you listen to a minute of the song you think you've heard enough i don't think you should ever do that with this band so i love the sparseness minimalism of it and i love her voice it's just soothing and immediately inviting uh and of course i love all those references i love spaghetti western music i love the <laughs> hazelwood i love 60s female girl groups and i love garage rock and that again there's that very obvious middle eastern sound which gives it an unusual bent but it does have that garage rock sound too it's, it's a cool blend and i love that they are not at all bothered by uh, you know two chords going on for the whole duration of the song which oh, and God, i yeah. never let myself get away with writing two chord songs so <laughs> until someone else does that charlie just so you know like i can't shake the enio morricone um spaghetti western aspects and as a fan of Levi and Khalees character in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, you know, it's the song's great. Okay, I'll try not to scream I hate memory with the exclamation mark. Um, I just appreciate that you had the right impulse because it's like if I wrote it in little tiny font and no exclamation mark, somebody might mistake that for an actual sound, adult, real, concise sentiment, which it's not. Obviously, there's a little meta playfulness to this it's just like some moments we hate it so this record now that no one listens to full albums right that's just such a thing of the past is of course the time that i decided to make an album that tells a story as an album because why not do the most challenging thing um, but it's a collection of songs about a teenage hood about a certain era in new york about art about community and somewhere in there i am but i kind of am trying to tell these stories without necessarily featuring me so much up front like this is my story um it's more like this is my point of view if anything and it's actually a, also a show that i'm working on right now i call it an anti-musical it is basically a theatrical piece, but with the songs at the center of it. And I wrote most of these songs with Stu, of Stu and the Negro Problem, of Passing Strange Fame. So he is the one who said, let's do something. And I was so thrilled because I really felt like a, an artistic kinship with him when I'd seen his work. So he encouraged me to do something about this era and growing up in this very artistic milieu that I grew up in in the early 80s and I said no way because I'm not somebody who's really comfortable with telling my memoirs that's not the way I rule and also I'm not that nostalgic I'm not that romantic about the past I know that these are really interesting stories from that time and people are really interested in it but I'm just not into being sentimental and stuck in the past and he said that is exactly why you're the person who can do this those are the reasons so i said okay challenge accepted and uh we wrote the songs i hope that the album stands on its own without the show and i think it does uh this is called the first day and it's based on when i arrived to america with my father and this extended family who were all theater makers 
I was walking around the streets of New York with my dad, and this is a very impressionistic recollection. Someone who did not know how stupid I was, who painfully knows how stupid I am now. I mean, and dealing with children, uh, formerly as a teacher, now as a parent, who don't know how much they have yet to know or learn or realize. The chorus speaks to me quite well. I'm also intrigued, Esther, a little bit about, uh, do you admittedly have a little bit of a contrarianness um, on your musical, anti-musical, and your hate of memories that you crystallized into song? So, are you asking if the if the contrarianness of the course here is part of that, or, or are you just asking in general? No, I mean, this is a, you're trying to capture distinct memory. Yeah. I guess, or sensation, and it's under the framework of hating memory, I guess. Yeah, I, I really don't. Nobody can hate memory. It's, it's a ridiculous, absurd stance, but it's like going back and looking at it and wallowing in it or visiting it or feeling sometimes shame about it or feeling like you're not that person anymore. You know, it, it can be difficult for myriad reasons that we don't have time to get into, but um, difficult for me. Some people love to live there, but it's uneasy. So I took on a project because it needs to be done because there's cool stories there because I think I do have a unique perspective and because I like a challenge. It's not easy, motherfuckers. Like, that's what that means, you know? Like, okay, I'm going to jump in, but first let me vent for a second. This is fucking hard, and it sometimes makes me feel like screaming. Um, so, yeah, and there is a little bit of a... I do have a little punk rock contrarian attitude about everything. Yes, hence the anti-musical. And I think I will just say about the song, about the chorus that you mentioned, Charlie, is funny because I was working on this song with Stu and... That chorus was really just a placeholder for me. I was kind of writing the song in real time. I had some words and I kind of made that up on the spot because it felt like right. And Stu said, that's great. And that's how it became the chorus. Yeah, I, I felt more as a listener, I really liked this a lot, but I really felt more sort of the duality of a person, than the contrarian kind of thing where I feel like it's not really sort of either or. And, and I also love how it, you gave this feeling, but you didn't go into detail, but you definitely had the feeling that this is love. 
but you also had that feeling of a slight cynicism, like an overall feeling that you have in these situations, you know? I don't know if that's, you know. All of what you just said resonates. Thank you. That's great. Those are all the things I love that I'm, I'm pulled by, you know, that like the dual thing of expressing contrary emotions at the same time, but it's not so much about being contrarian. It's about both things exist, right? We fell in love with America that day and had all these illusions about it. And uh, there is a little bit of that humorous cynicism of we don't know we're stupid yet, but also the joy and the love. And I actually love that you said I, I don't really get into describing the feeling so much. I just kind of sprinkle these images that, that more like convey it. And I think that's the way I tend to write or I hope to write. So I, I appreciate that. And I'm not sentimental. So like there's a line in there that I actually am kind of proud of for me personally, not in the literary way, but there's a line that says, we fall in love with a dump today. It's indifference, the most beautiful thing. I was like, oh, where did I come up with that? Because we had come from Hungary where like it was so provincial, everybody in everybody's business, so like overseen by an authoritarian regime. And I think my father just so fell in love with that sense of openness. But yeah, there's also a sense of indifference. So it's both, right? I remember um, my mid-twenties, I was going out with this woman and she asked me how many times I'd been in love and I said, well, there's a few times where I thought I was in love and she said, if you thought you were in love, you were in love. And I was like, good point. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, this is a uh, track called Second Avenue. I also wrote with Stu and um, this one I just, I wrote the words like pretty quickly. Uh, but it's a little bit less happy. And she walked along. She walked like a queen. She was schooled in love. When she turned 15 and the sun pulled in the city rose People edging their way wearing their morning clothes She walked out on the streets and he was not right in the head A night of love painted on the sky But the story took another turn instead People don't look up, they got business to do And she walks alone down 2nd Avenue So this is one of those tracks where uh, you're describing actually the moment after the incident So you're never really talking about what it's about but something bad happened right before this and uh, it's a young girl walking as the sun is rising for her it's still night and it's just about all these feelings it's again a, a lot out in New York and watching the sort of waking up of the city and there's a lot of inner turmoil going on but there's also a kind of for me there is actually a kind of 
peace almost or maybe that's the wrong word but there's a kind of something an equanimity maybe is the right word about walking away from a potentially harmful scary upsetting heartbreaking whatever situation and just being all alone very alone but still in the midst of this buzzing coming to life city and in a way there's a like again that duality of it's gonna be okay in there midst of this kind of haunting sad um lonely place yeah i love uh the idea that we have to read into it a little bit and it felt like i don't know if it's like a solitude or i don't know you get like this feeling where something's over even though there's mixed feelings about something over there's a feeling like that at least it's over i don't know but i i like these two tracks a lot i really like how the lyrics the vocals have a little bit of grit on them you know they're they're just beneath the music a little bit but even what could be described as a narrative of the song you know it was even subservient to like the smells being described and really it was a mood everything was kind of being evoked and kind of percolating you know just like just before the water boils on the coffee or something kind of thing so it did have that that morning feel to it and it was just a little crispy around the edges at least the vocals and it was just kind of nice how that kind of evoked a, a feeling like you're not quite awake the radio isn't quite tuned in solid yet and it was just building to something you know i can't wait to hear more of, of the album it feels more melancholy than sad to me and, yeah and it it does feel like what charlie said it does have that grit it does feel like second avenue <laughs> good that's good yeah i'm just uh i think i said you know everything i wanted to say but but just want to shout out to Stu because he came up with that picking pattern which is that there's a delicacy to that and a kind of folkiness which I think is such a nice bed for these words and um, this one took us a while to get it just right because it's delicate because I don't want it to be too sad and I don't want it to go a country song like at one point it did almost go that way so it was delicate to find the right tone for as you guys were saying the mood this one's all about move. Just shy of a slide guitar, I guess. There is a slide guitar in there. <laughs> I did not have the confidence that was something I wanted to hear myself say, but... Uh, Esther and Pat, thank you all for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I love Inc. 19, by the way, and I'm really... Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was great. It was really... I really enjoyed this. Yes, thank you. I'm going to miss that bell. <laughs> Where can we find you? The album's out on uh, all the usual platforms. And it's digital only, though. So no hard copy. But if you come to a show of mine, I also do sell these download cards. So that's another way to get it. So <laughs> I'm Pat Green, and you can find me on Instagram at hearsayu. It's H-E-A-R. S-A-Y, the letter U. And my name is Charlie Debner, and you can find me on the pages of Inc. 19. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We want to thank Esther Ballant for sharing a part of her day and her album with us. And as always, thank you, Charlie Debner and Pat Green, for playing along. Find all of our podcasts, playlists, and much more at Inc. 19.com. 
Today's episode was produced by Frank Dreyer, Ian Koss, and Rose Petralia. Our theme music was composed by Avi Bortnick, whom you can find online at avibortnick.com. This is Rose Petralia from Inc. 19 Magazine. <laughs>